Say amen again. Amen. I'll stay and pray. This is our Bible. It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Today we're going to take our text from the book of Luke, Luke chapter 8, that chapter 11, excuse me, verse 8. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Then you'll find these words. It says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake. Somebody say for friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, somebody say keep knocking. Sometimes your friendship ain't going to make folk move. You just gonna have to keep. Y'all better hear me today. Sometimes your friendship is not gonna make your friends move. You gonna have to keep. See, you were their friend before you started knocking. They knew you was at the door, but that wasn't enough to get them out the bed. You had to keep. If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever. Somebody say whatever. Whatever, whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Somebody say, I ain't shame. You know, I ain't too proud to beg. I ain't too proud to keep knocking. Ain't, ain't too proud to go back to God multiple times. Somebody say, well, all you got to pray is one time. You know, sometimes you got to be persistent. Sometimes you got to take your issue back to God over and over and over again until he opened the door. Amen. You got to keep. So sometimes God may not move just because you his. Sometimes you don't move just because your children are your children. Sometimes you move because they keep bugging you. Their persistence. Get them something that you could have gave them the first time they asked for it. But because they just kept shameless. Y'all better hear me today. You may be seated. First, I want to just acknowledge to our church family uh, the passing of uh, Sister Elaine Buchanan. Many of you may know about it, but some of you may not. So I just want you to keep her family lifted up in prayer and stand by for uh, news of, you know, what our arrangement's going to be, and we will make that known to you as soon as we get them. Amen? Amen. Well, today on this uh, New Year's Eve Sunday, uh, we are going to introduce our theme for the year 2024. And you know, the Lord had placed on my heart the year of great persistence. Somebody say persistence. persistence. And, and we're going to subtopic this particular series the power of persistence. The power of persistence. See, persistence means to continue firmly in an opinion or course of action in spite of difficulties. Somebody say difficulties. In spite of difficulties, in spite of opposition. Somebody say opposition. And in spite of failure. Sometimes you have to persist through your setbacks. Amen. See, persistence is the unwavering commitment to a goal or purpose despite the obstacles or setback. In the Bible, persistence is closely related to words like we hear all the time. Endurance, perseverance, steadfastness, meaning that sometimes you just got to stick to something. You, you got to stick to something and then never give up because persistence is that drive that keep us moving when times get tough that keep us being steadfast when the enemy is coming against us. Go to the book of Genesis, and I want to just use this as the first turn. Genesis chapter 32, and it'll take me a minute to get there, and I'll read 24 through 30 until you're here. Here in this passage depicts Joseph wrestling with God, or God in some angelic form. 
And he continues to this wrestling match all night long. Somebody say all night long. Just because he wanted God to bless him. He was willing to wrestle all night long. See, he was persistent in his prayer and his struggle, vowing that, hey, I'm, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. Amen. You know, sometimes when you come into the presence of God and you want something from him, you can't let him, let him go till he bless you. Now, this occurred as Jacob was uh, fearfully preparing to meet his twin brother, Esau. You know, they had been separated for about 20 years. Some of y'all know the story. Jacob stole his brother's birthright. And he did that by deceiving their father, pretending that he was the oldest son, so his father blessed him. And as a result of that, Jacob now has to meet his brother face to face after 20 years. He's thinking that, man, when I meet this dude, <laughs> after all I've done to him, I'm afraid that when I meet him, he ain't going to greet me with no warm welcome. This dude may want to get some revenge. So now while Jacob is going through this prayer, he knows that, hey, in the morning, I got to <laughs> meet my brother. So, so what Jacob, out of fear, he did, he took this as an opportunity now, before he meet him, by sending his men to his brother with horses and donkeys and bulls and cows and everything. You know, when Jacob, you know, left his father-in-law's house, Laban's house, he was rich. You know, and, and as a result of that, he had a lot of stuff. So he figured, let me just send my brother some stuff so that when he meet me, maybe he'll greet me in a different way. So in other words, he even went as far as to call his brother Lord. When he told his servant, say, let my Lord know that I'm sending him these gifts, trying to appease his brother so the brother will greet him in a friendly manner. Now, after this persistent struggle with Jacob, with Jacob in this prayer, we're going to see that there was a change in his character. See, resulting in a name change. He went into this prayer calling himself Jacob, but he come out of this prayer with a new name. You know, sometimes when you struggle with God and you struggle through things, it is all designed to change your character. You meet him with one character, and then you wrestle with him, and the result should be a new character. Jacob went in with a name that means deceiver, sneak thief, usurper, supplanter. Someone who would steal something from somebody else. And his name get changed to Israel. You know, sometimes when we meet God in a significant way, we got to realize our names Amen. is supposed to change. We come into a relationship with him. And yeah, we keep our natural name, but now we got this other name. We call ourselves Christians. Amen. And with that change come a character. Amen. And sometime in order for you to fulfill that new character, you got to struggle. You got to persist. You, you got to continue to fight against the old you so the new you can come in the. Uh, Y'all don't want to hear me today. Somebody say struggle. Struggle is just, you know, wrestling, that's a, a wrestling term. You know, when you struggle with something or somebody, you got to get close to them. I mean, I mean and, and, and you got to tangle up sometimes. <laughs> oh, let me just read this. I don't, oh, God. So we're going to see that he was persistent. Now look at this, in verse 22 of chapter 32 of Genesis, he says, During the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, somebody say two wives, and his two servant wives, somebody say two servant wives. Now this boy had four wives. Amen. And his 11 sons, because which son had not been born yet? Let me see how smart my Bible scholars are. Oh, wow, we're going into the new year and need some Bible lessons. Now, Joseph was the last one up until this point. And Joseph had a brother, brother named what? Say it loud. Benjamin. That's right. So Benjamin hadn't come on the scene yet. And if you understand the story, Jacob had to persist for 14 years to get them two wives. 
He went in thinking that he was going to marry Rachel right off the bat. So he said, I'll work for you, father-in-law. I'll work for you for seven years for her. And after seven years of persisting and making his father-in-law a wealthy man, then all of a sudden on wedding day, father-in-law put a veil on the other daughter's face. That's why you better take the veil off before you, so you can kiss the bride. You better, you better see who you finna marry. You better look behind the veil before you get to the altar. Oh, that ain't in the left. That ain't in the middle. So, so, but, but, but that was the backdrop. So now after seven years of labor, his father-in-law tricked him. So his name was Trickster. So he got tricked. His father-in-law gave him the wrong one. But his heart was still with Rachel. So he said, if you really want Rachel, you got to work seven more years. That's persistence. And so now you can see he done worked 14 years for two women. One woman could spit babies out just like that. Bam, 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 bam. And the woman he loved didn't have nothing. So out of desperation, he ended up with these other two wives. Oh, y'all don't hear me. And they had some babies for the wife who could not have babies. But at the end of the day, God came through, and Rachel had Joseph. So that's how we get to these 11 sons, two wives, two servant wives, all together in one place. He says, and they crossed the Chabot River. He crossed the Chabot River with them. After taking them on the other side, he sent over all his possessions. In other words, you know, he took them on one side to separate himself from them. In other words, this was an act of protection and provision. He was protecting them and providing for them so that if something happened to him when he go and meet his brother, at least they would be taken care of. They wouldn't have to die because his brother going to kill him. Amen. Now let me just talk. You know, death has a way of getting our attention. And so, you know, before you get to that point, Men, you need to make sure your family is taken care of. Amen. Make sure you put them on the other side so if something happened to you, they ain't got to worry about struggling the rest of their lives. I ought to get amen right there from the men and a big amen for the ladies. Because if you outlive that rascal, you don't want to have to outlive him and struggle. Oh, Lord, that wasn't in my notes. Oh, God, let me move on. So he took them to the other side. Look here. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. Somebody say all alone. Sometime in life, you're going to have to face your problem by yourself. Sometime you're going to find yourself in an all alone situation. And when you're in that situation, you need to make sure that you're searching for God to be with you while you're in that all. Because every now and then, man will let you down. Man will not be there. When you turn around looking for them, they won't be then he says, and a man came and wrestled with him until the, dawn, to, until the dawn began to break. So now Jacob is in this wrestling match. We see this persistent struggle. When the man saw that he could not win the match, in other words, Jacob was putting up a fight. Jacob would turn, I'm not going to quit. Now look at Now if he was fighting with God, in which he was, a, a, a representative of God, don't think he won the fight because he was greater than the person he was fighting against. He won the fight because of the grace of the person that he was fighting with. So he said that when the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of his socket. In other words, you know, he put a little pain on him, touched his hip. To this day, the Israelites or the Hebrews still don't eat that part of the meat where he touched his thighs. So I guess they don't eat no thighs. They need to send all their thighs our way. They, 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 they don't eat no thighs. Some of y'all still eat thighs. So, you know, if you eat thighs, you need to call them and say, hey, yeah, look here, don't throw that thigh away. But he, but he brought his hip out of socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I, I done got into your presence now. I know who you are, and I'm not going to leave until you bless me. 
I'm not going to leave until you shower me with some form of favor, some form of your mercy. I'm not going to leave until you. And sometimes when you're struggling with things and you're struggling all alone, you need to let God know, I'm not going to leave until you bless me. I'm not going to leave until you come through. For I'm not going to let you go because I don't know when you may show up again, but I got you this time. You got me. We're locked in this thing together because I'm all alone. And I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. He says, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. I told you what Jacob means. Thief, stole his brother's birthright, supplanter, deceiver. So he said, well, Jacob, I got to change your name. It wasn't that he asked him his name because he didn't know it. He just wanted Jacob to know what his name meant. He says, now, you will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, somebody said, from now on. See, every now and then, you got to have a from now on moment. That at some point in time, you're going to say, from now on, I'm not going to be the same person that I was before. From now on, after I finish this prayer, things going to change in my life. From now, from now on, you will be called Israel. You know, a prince of God, a one who struggled with God and won. Because you have fought with God and with man and have won. So he changed his name, and with that name come a change in character. He says, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named that place Penal which means face of God. For he said, I have seen the face of God, or I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. In other words, that was a mindset that if you ever got that close to God, that was no way you could live. But he said, now I done came into the presence of an almighty God, and God allowed me to live. You know, Jacob had to fight and wrestle his way into an access that you already got because of Jesus. You don't have to wrestle. You don't have to tussle to get in God's presence. Jesus already made it possible for you to have access to a holy God. And all you got to do is remember that the veil of the temple has been rent. And now you can go to God anytime you want to. You can get that access. You can be alone with God anytime you want to. You don't need a crowd to have uh, an audience with God. You can have an audience with God all by yourself. Better hear me today. Sometimes we can't get into God's presence unless everybody else is there with us, urging us on. What I'm trying to tell you, you need to take advantage of the access that you have. You don't need the crowd. You just need to go to him all of See, sometimes what he's trying to tell you, get lost in the noise of the crowd. But every now and then when you go there by yourself, you have a tendency to be able to hear clearly what he's trying to say instead of the noise that's coming from around you. Too many of us trying to get to God in the presence of the noise. The noise. Your mind is listening to everything everybody else has said. Everybody else has done. Your mind is the noise. When you need to realize, I got to shut the noise. Because I need to be all alone in the presence of a holy God. So Joseph prevailed, and as a Jacob prevailed, and as a result of that, when he met his brother, he found favor with his brother, because his brother was balling too. So his brother said, I don't need your stuff. You know, I got plenty of stuff of my own. So therefore, God allowed him to find favor with man and with, with God. You know you're in a good place when you can have favor with God and man. But if you got to make a sacrifice, find favor with God over man. But if he blessed man and blessed you to be in favor with man, don't walk away from the favor. Oh, Lord, help me today. Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5. My second turn. And then we're going to stay in Exodus. From Moses and Aaron's encounter with Pharaoh. I want you to see that sometime when God gives you an assignment, you may have to persist in spite of the troubles and opposition. See, here 
Moses had to carry this message to Pharaoh, and he had to go back to him, somebody said 10 times. Ten times before Pharaoh finally let the people go. See, because what we got to understand, when God give us some instruction, it may not always be easy. But if the instruction came from God, you got to persist in what he told you to do in spite of who's coming in. Now get this. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. Amen. The Egyptian kingdom was the most powerful dynasty in the world. Long before the Romans, long before the Babylonians, long before the Greeks, long before any other nation, them Egyptians was ruled as thing. Y'all better say amen. See, because you need to know, and I'm going to make you know later on, they're acting bad right now, but there's some time they did that good. Amen? And for the record, Egypt is in Africa. It ain't part of the European continent. So our brother was down there raising hell. <laughs> Wasn't treating God's people right. And Moses had to go to Pharaoh 10 times along with Abraham. And what I want you to see here is that when we persist, God has a way of humbling whatever the opposition is. He, he, it may not happen the first time. And I know sometimes they, well, three strikes you out. But what I'm trying to tell you, if God is still telling you to go back, I don't care if it's the 10th time. You need to do what God say do. Because God is working on some things behind the scene that you may not see. That's why when it comes to persistence, you got to trust God. Because you may not see the outcome of what he's telling you to do, but you just got to trust him anyway. Don't get tired of persistence. Don't get tired of prayer. I done prayed to God five times about this. And don't look like nothing changed. Pray to six. Sometimes you just got to stick with some things in prayer. You want to move on too fast when you should be right there where you were yesterday. So when God tells you to do something, you just trust him and do it. Persist on through it. Because in the end, God want to bless you for your persistence. So look at this. I'm in Exodus chapter Five, and I'm going to read quickly one through three, and then we'll skip to chapter 12, I think, and we'll see in a minute. He says, now look, after this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. Somebody say Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go. Let my people see." Take out the mind, and sometimes you need to say to somebody, just let me. Whatever's holding you back, whatever's keeping you from where God wants you to be, you need to just say, just let. And if you don't let me go peacefully, God's going to figure out a way to humble you so you can. Oh, y'all better hear me today. Y'all got to see y'all self in this story because if you don't see you in this, is just another Bible story. But this pertains to your life. He says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival in honor of me in the wilderness. You know, in other words, God wanted them to go out and worship him. They had been in Egypt so long that they had picked up some of the Egyptian customs and styles of worship. And Egypt, the Egyptians worshiped multiple gods. They was polytheistic. So therefore, they worshiped many gods. And, and, and God wants us to be monotheistic, where we worship him as the only God. So therefore, they done got all these other gods mixed up. They had to try to remember the sun God, the moon God, the sand God, the this God, the God of the sea, the God of this. They had to try all them God. I'm glad God narrowed that thing down. I, I, I ain't got to wait till I get on the water and hope I can call on Poseidon to come and save me. Because I may not be, know enough about him. 
but all I know is he told me Jesus. That's all the name. That's the only name I need to hold on to is Jesus. Whenever I get in trouble, all I need to know is one God, one Son, Jesus. Look at what Pharaoh came back with, man. He was defiant and resistant. Pharaoh said, "Is that so?" Retorted Pharaoh, "Who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord." And I will not let Israel go. See, that's talking with pride and arrogance right there. He just don't know the outcome yet. See, right now, when you don't know the outcome, you say some crazy stuff. But after you see the outcome, God, can I just use a real example? You know, and I'm joking now, so I want y'all, don't Florida State fans take me. See, before the outcome, they were all running around. Oh, we are, 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 we if they had known they were going to get swapped 60-something to whatever, they would have went with a spirit of humility, thanking the board. Thank you for not putting us out there with them other big. I, Florida State, I'm just joking with you, but next year, next year. So, tell the whole story. I, I ain't going to tell the whole story. Go to go. They got beat though, didn't they? <laughs> let, let me read on. Let me read on. Y'all, y'all don't woke up now. Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so now look at this. He says, Pharaoh said, "Man, who is your Lord? Man, I, I, which one? I, man, I, all these gods. We got all these gods. Who is your Lord? And anyway, you know, I got my own set of gods. Why well, I got to listen to your God? He ain't no better than the ones I got." You know, I don't even know him. And then you won't tell me, let my people go? You know, you guys are free labor. Amen. Y'all building up Egypt with no pay. And after Joseph, and after uh, Moses and Aaron went to him, the job got harder. He put more pressure on the people. He oppressed them even more. After one visit, he put pressure on the people. Looked like that would have been time for Moses. Oh, God. I ain't going back. The people mad at me now because I don't went and represented you. And I come back now and look here, they working harder. They working harder. He's the taskmaster himself beating them all. All because you told me to go and say, let my people. He didn't say it was gonna be easy. He just go said, go and tell him, let my people go. Now, in between chapter 5 to chapter 12, Moses persistently went along with Aaron before Pharaoh with the same message. Let my people go. You know, if something is holding you back, you need to keep going back and say, let me go. If don't let you go the first time, you just need to go back and say, let me go. You know, he went 10 times before them, and each time he did not listen to what Moses said, that was a plague of something that happened in the land. Don't have time to go through all of them, but I'm just going to briefly just list them so you can understand the significance of where we're going to end up. When he refused the first time, the water turned to blood. Went back again and he refused, the land was plagued with frogs. Somebody say frogs. Can you imagine going outside and every time you step, squish, squish. You know, it's tough enough when you step on a roach. But, you know, you stepped on a roach. You know, sometimes you go in the kitchen in the old days, you know, you know, some of us did have, you know, we had roaches, some of airborne and infantry, the ones that fly and the ones that crawl around. And, you know, you just actually in the night, in the middle of the night, you know, you just step on one, squish. You know, you know what that feels like when you know you stepped on a roach. Can you imagine these people, every time they step out, they do a frog. 
just stepping on frogs, trying to get the way he's trying to go, just out of all these frogs. But that wasn't enough to make them, make Pharaoh let him go. So then he had to play them with lice. Somebody said lice. You know, I don't know if any of you ever had lice. I've never had head lice, but I know with little children sometimes get head lice. You know, if you just look in a child's head full of lice, man, they just, just lice crawling. Crawling all over, you know, only here. You know, you look in the mirror, you part, oh God, all them little Christians moving, lice. You would have thought lice would have been enough if they just, y'all leave it, y'all gone. But lice wasn't enough. Then he played them with flies. And I know ain't nobody in here like flies. Flies don't stand a chance. You know, even President Obama snatched one out there, bam. And the animal rights people try to come at it, but he don't kill the fly. Ain't nobody gonna live. Ain't nobody in their right mind gonna let no fly live. I mean, you tear your house up looking for a fly. Come on, you ain't gonna let no fly. Now, can you imagine having a house full of? Some of y'all like, you know, when I was a little boy, we go out in the country, ain't with no air conditioning, windows open all the time. You had a house full of. You trying to eat your dinner, flies. You fan and get off me. I'm trying to eat this chicken. The fly on there eating with you. Flies. God, you could have said anything, but just don't sit or no. Then he went from flies. The fifth plague was the livestock suffered. They got diseases. The cows and the sheep, the goat, the camels, whatever they had, they got a disease. He went from things to now he started touching them. Then boils came on man and beast. Their skin started acting up. That didn't stop him. He still wouldn't let them go. Then the seventh plague, hell rained down on them. You know, we live in a part of the country, we have no appreciation for hell. We see a little drop of something on the, a little crystal. Ooh, it's hell. No, you ain't been in, you ain't, that, that ain't the type of hell he's talking about right here. He's talking about that hell that can dent your car. You know, you know, you don't been in some hailstorm. It ain't no little crystals just sprinkling down. This stuff falling like rocks. So he said, "Look here, hell's rain, hell rain." I almost want to change that and boldenize that thing and just use H E L L, but I'm gonna leave it like the Bible said. I just because because it looked like sometimes the devil can just rain, just rain hell down on you. You know, your life was going good, all of a sudden, oh, oh, the eighth plague. Locusts filled the land. Start eating up all the crops. The ninth plague, darkness came on the land. And the tenth plague, death. Somebody say death. Yeah. Death got a way of getting your attention. You know, a lot of things didn't happen, but when death happened, it makes us real, realize that we ain't going to be here forever. And so just like death can come to somebody else, death going to come to... Death got their attention. Death got their undivided attention. So in chapter 12, it's where we see Moses and Aaron persistence prevail because that was a mass exodus of God's people. Somebody say exodus. And exodus means just a mass departure, a leaving one place, going to another, exiting something. And so right now, I'm just in the sense we don't have a watch tonight tonight, but we, we, we're about to exodus. You're about to exodus from 2023 as a group, as a world, as a nation. We're offering the exodus over into 2024. The question is, is what are you taking with you? Because in this exodus, you got to leave some things behind in order to make room for what God wants to give you. And you can't take everything from 2023 over into 2024. You got to have this mindset that some things I can't carry with me because it takes too long to get that ready. It takes too long to do that because God told him we got to be ready to go in a hurry. When he says time to go, it ain't time to pack. Go means ready to go. Packing took place before because he told me we was going to be set free. I ain't going to wait to the freedom ring, bell ring, I'm going to be ready when it rings. There are going to be some people that's going to be stuck in 2023 20, too long because they are not going to know how to let some things go or they're trying to prepare for a year that's already already gone. You better get ready for next year. 
You better focus on the things that before you and not the things that's behind you. You better get ready to cross over into what God got for you in this next year. And you got to be ready. Look here, I'm telling some of y'all earlier. Don't wait till 12 o'clock tonight. You got to start making your, oh God, y'all better hear me. Some of y'all waiting and God said, you, all you need to do is be Oh, God. So he told them to be ready. And, and that's what we instituted this Passover thing. You know, the Jews instituted Passover because they had to put blood on the doorposts. They had to get bread that didn't have time to rise. So they didn't put no yeast in it because they had to be ready. Some of y'all still trying to get the bread to rise when all you need to know is flatbread bread will work. <laughs> flatbread. Flatbread will work. You trying to get light bread? Wheat bread that don't really yeast it up and rolls up, and your sandwich ain't gonna taste like no, no, no. Flat bread will. Sometimes you just need to say, God, go to some of these restaurants now and just give me the flat bread sandwich. I ain't got time to wait till the bread right. Just give me the. Sometimes we miss our blessing because we're still in preparation when we should have been ready. The virgins, the five wise and the five foolish. Some missed their blessing because they were still trying to prepare when they should have been. Don't you miss what God got for you because you're still trying to prepare. He didn't already told you what he's going to do. You need to just be. Oh, God, help me right here. So in chapter 12, starting at verse 31, we see a different attitude. We see how the defiant can be humble. After the 10th plague, when all the children started dying, the firstborn, not just of the people, but the firstborn of all the animals died. I, I, like I said, death has a way of getting your attention. The flies and the frogs and the lice, all that didn't get your attention. But now that you done seen these babies dying, now that you done seen the firstborn, now you got some evidence that this thing is hitting close to home. Because now the people who said, we got over the flies, we got over the lights, we got over all that. But now when I look around in Johnny, ain't there. And the reason Johnny is not there, all because we won't let God's people. Y'all better hear me today. Look at verse 31. He says, Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. In other words, they had to get permission to come to him before. Now he's sending for them. The same guy that was too proud to say, I don't even know your God. Who is your God? Look what he says. He sent for Moses and Aaron during the night. Somebody said, get out. Get out. He shouted, get out. He ordered. Somebody said, get out. Get out. You know, when the, when the, you know, you got to be listening when the, when, when the Lord has whatever's holding you back, telling you to get out. You, you, you done, I done dealt with you enough, and, and I ain't won this thing, and God is in the, on the verge of delivering you. So look here, lion is trying to tell you, get out. I'm tired of being with you because being with you is not working to my advantage. Get. Look, he says, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Look, not, not just y'all do. Take all them rascals. Don't leave not, don't you leave not one of them here. Don't, don't, don't you leave not one. I'm telling you, they all got out and some. Amen. He said, now, and this, this is a guy who say he didn't even know God, but look what he's saying. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. Man, way back in the other chapter, he had like he didn't even know God. But now all of a sudden, he done humbled himself and said, man, go ahead. Whatever you requested, go do it. Then look what he said. Take your flocks and herds as you as, as you said, and be gone. Somebody said, be gone. be gone. How many times you gonna say, get out, be gone? Then say, go. Somebody shout, go. Go. But now he got the nerve. But bless me as you leave. Oh my God. <laughs> you don't put all this hell on our people. And then now you want me to ask God to bless you on my way out? But you know, maybe that's a good thing. Now, maybe now my God to humble you enough to let you know that you have to acknowledge him if you want a blessing. Look at here. Bless me as you leave. Look here. All these, somebody say all. All the Egyptians urged the people of Israel to get out. Why the way they had to? Because they'd seen their babies die. I mean, if you're the cause of my problem, and the only way my problem be solved is you gone, then you got to get out. 
So all these babies down, so all these Egyptians, now not just Pharaoh, urged the people of Israel to get out of the land as quickly as possible, for they thought we will all die. Boy, when they was facing death in the face, they had no problem letting go of them slaves. But as long as they didn't feel no discomfort, they would keep them there. But when discomfort hit their house, we will all die if we keep these folk. They got to get out of here. Now look at this, verse 34. The Israelites took their bread dough before the yeast was added. We talked about that. Then they wrapped up their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them on their shoulders. Now look at this. Most of the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. And the people of Israel did what Moses had instructed. They asked. Somebody said they asked. Somebody shout they asked. Somebody shout they asked again. See, sometimes you just need to ask. And I got a, 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 a message for our brothers here in America. We just need to keep asking. We, we need to keep asking. Because if we keep asking long enough, one day somebody going to answer the ask. We got to tell the next generation, y'all need to keep You ain't got to fight. Just keep. I know somebody don't want you to keep asking, but look what he said. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and this was God's plan of restitution. I'm going to send you out of the country, but you ain't leaving broke. (laughs) I know y'all don't want to hear that. Well, why do I need gold if all I do is want to get away? God said, hey, look, I'm going to bless you as you go. You've been on the bond that you've been dep- oppressed for all these years. Now, look here. You just go and all you got to do is ask. I'm going to place on their heart. They're going to want to give you, but you just need to. Yeah. Yeah. Bible says, ask and you receive. Knock and the door shall be. Sometimes you just got to keep asking. That's why your children have learned this message. They know that all I got to do is just keep Keep asking mama for them shoes. Keep asking her for them shoes. Keep asking her for them shoes. And one day, them shoes going to appear because they're going to see that I'm persistent. They asked the Egyptians. They had to fight them. They, for clothing and articles of civil and they asked. They asked, and their needs were met. And look at this. Because they asked, the Lord did what he was supposed to do. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites. And they gave the Israelites, somebody said, whatever. Whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. In other words, we ask for something to sustain us. But at the same time, we've been working for free all these years. We done built these pyramids. We done did all this stuff. We done done been working for. Now we just asking you for what belongs to us. I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to say it. Our ancestors in this country worked for little or nothing. And our children need to keep asking for what belongs to us. I I know y'all weren't ready for that. Y'all don't want to hear that. But your forefathers made a whole lot of folk rich. Made this country rich. Built this country up. And ain't nothing wrong with your children You may not see it in your lifetime, but maybe your great-great-great-grandchild is going to be blessed because they kept asking. They kept asking. They kept asking. God said, I can take the wealth of the righteous, of the the wicked, and give it to to the righteous. I know it got quiet right there. I know, I know, y'all. I ain't gonna be too radical right there. Y'all, I'm gonna save that for next month. That we're gonna save the radical. But the Bible says, so they stripped. Somebody say stripped. The Egyptians of their. Well, when you can start taking folk money, 
you get their attention. Now look at this. They stripped them of their wealth, and by doing so, it made it look like they had won a victory, and they were just taking the spoils of war. Because anytime you win, you normally took everything that the other nation had, and that's the spoils. So God allowed them to get this victory, and now they're walking out of Egypt with great wealth. And look at this. Y'all got to get this. That night, the people of Israel left Ramses and started to Sukkoth. And there were about 600,000 men, plus women and children. Now, men, that would be talking about men that was fighting age, so men about 20 years old and older. And then when you add the women and the children that didn't come up to that age, then it's believed that it was almost a million or a million and a half people that was leaving. Look at this. Y'all got to get this. I thought this was neat, y'all. We missed something. He says, they left, and it was 600,000 men plus all the women and children. Then the next verse. Now, the new version of the Bible say rabble of non-Israelites. Most of your Bibles say mixed multitude. That, that, that's man's way. That's man. That's man's way of letting you know some of your folk left with them without you knowing your folk left with them. Because y'all read that word and say, rabble, mixed multitude, what that mean? Well, that means some of them Egyptians that look like you got in that train that it was Exodus. Uh, y'all don't want to hear, well, I'm just telling you, they could have just said, you know, Look here, Joseph married an Egyptian. Amen. So some of these Egyptians who they had been around for over so many years, over 430, started believing in some of the things they was believing, but they probably saw God moving in their lives. They said, hey, look, this is a good team to be on. God is moving. These folks have been blessed. They look here, I'm going to jump on this blessed train, and I'm going to walk right out of here with it. So it says, a rabble of non-Israelites. <laughs> I don't know how these writers of the Bible just won't say it. A rabble of them Africans went with them, along with, a great, with great flocks and herds of livestock. That was a mixed group left. And once this mixed group got out, everybody in that mixed group now will be worshiping one God. So I use this to refute people's argument that your folk didn't know nothing about God till they got put in slavery and ended up in America. I believe your folk knew about God when these Israelites left and when they was intermingling with them Israelites while they was in captivity. Because some of them did marry these folk. Let me go and read. I'm, I'm done. My time ran out, and this is the last day of the year, and I know, but I got the clothes right here. He says, now a, a rabble of non-Israelites went with them, along with great flocks and livestock. But look at this. For, they, for bread they baked in flat cakes from dough without yeast that they, they had brought from Egypt. It made... It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare. Somebody say no time. No time. See, when it's time to go, you ain't got time to prepare. When it's time to go, you got to be ready. Go time is not preparation time. So when God is telling you go into this next year, it ain't time for you to start preparing to go. You ought to be ready to go into the next year, ready to see what God got for you, ready to embark on whatever God got before you. You don't need to be prepared now. You ought to be ready now so that when the clock strikes, if the clock strikes early, you're ready. Because somewhere in the world is already New Year. Amen. We just wait for time to catch up with us, but ain't nothing wrong with us being ahead of time. Say, so we ready. 
I ain't got to wait till midnight tonight to praise God. I ain't got to wait till midnight to bless God. I can praise him right now and transition on over into the new year, taking that same praise, taking that same blessing, taking everything that he gave me this year right on over and leaving some things behind. They were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare bread or other food. Last verse. The people of Israel lived in Egypt for 430 years. Now, I'll end on a list a little. That 430 years was not all years of slavery. Amen. See, sometimes people read that and they think, Oh, man, they were in bondage. No, they weren't in bondage for 430 years. They was only in bondage when a pharaoh came along that didn't know Joseph. Because as long as Joseph was running things, they were doing good. And that's how they get all these flocks. They got all these flocks because when Joseph was the second man in charge, he put them in the best land. And once they got in the best land, they weren't slaves. They lived like everybody else, and they lived better than some. And as a result of living better than some, they got comfortable having babies. And they were spitting them out. The midwives say them Hebrew women, they don't have babies like we do. They just go down there and squat. Poop, they there, they're gone. And then they're ready to produce another. They're just producing two men and they multiply. They ain't just adding on. They, mm. So then now, after all these times of good years, they start to multiply and start to flourish and start to prosper. Then a pharaoh come along who has a fear in his heart that, hey, if we don't do something about these Hebrews, one day they're going to rise up and overtake us. So therefore, in order to do this, we're going to have to put them in slavery. And just to keep the countdown, I want you to start killing all the, the male children. Let the women But we got to cut off the seed. This ain't in my notes, but look here. You got to realize, ladies, you need a man. I mean, not need like that, but... If you want to fulfill what God may have for you in life, you need a man. They weren't killing the men without a reason. Because they knew that more men or more women couldn't come along without men. Somebody had to be the donor in order to get the product. And so what I'm trying to tell you, men, you need to step up. Because the world is trying to kill you off, and we got women now who think, I don't need a man. I don't want a man. I don't. Look here, you got your thinking and your, it's misguided. <laughs> you are a female, and at some point in time, I'm done. Y'all read between the lines. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah.